Welcome to Radically Better, the podcast where we talk about how to leverage marketing to get radically better results in business and for the world. I'm your host, Erin Morris, and I'm the founder of purpose-driven marketing agency, Young Folks. We live and breathe using business as a force for good on the daily, and we can't wait to share everything we've learned on the journey with you. This week's episode is a live recording from our March Good Mornings Brekkie event held at the Frankston Social Enterprise Hub. It's B Corp month in March, so to celebrate all things people, planet, purpose and profit, we heard from two local B Corp founders, Melissa Goffin from Red Gum Barbecue and Matt Sykes from Regeneration Projects. Let's dive in. Welcome everybody. Welcome to round two of Good Mornings, our second session. Um, I'm Erin, I'm the founder of Young Folks. This is our panel here, Matt. Um, from Regeneration Projects and Melissa from Red Gum Barbecue. Um, And thanks to Amber from the Frankston Social Enterprise Hub for very generously sharing this space with us today so we can all gather together. Um, First things first, I actually wanted to ask Matt um, to do an acknowledgement of country for us. Thanks, Erin. Hi, everyone. I guess, you know, really just to start, it feels more appropriate to say Womanjika, welcome and, and come with purpose. Uh, and in particular, just to take a moment to think about that connection to country that we have by being in this specific place. So any water that, that falls uh, off the roof here ends up in uh, that beautiful bay that many of us live so close to. So just to acknowledge that connection, in particular to the waterways, to Nurn, Port Phillip Bay, um, but also those connections specifically for the Boomerang and the Bunurong uh, people through their elders past, present and emerging. And for this specific conversation, to think about that bridge um, with doing business with a little bit more care, doing it a little bit differently, uh, and finding those ways to go beyond in the spirit of this, uh, this uh, B Corp month in 2023. Thank you, beautiful. So we're gathering today um, for our Good Mornings, which is our monthly series to bring together the purpose-driven community and share in stories. And I think to kind of take off from what you were saying, storytelling is the kind of most ancient form of education. So getting together to share in these stories of what it kind of takes to be a B Corp and to be a purpose-driven business that's making a positive impact for people and planet whilst also existing and having a profit as well is a really important conversation to have and we hope it gives some insight um, to anybody that's thinking about that B Corp journey and also some inspiration and some ideas and some lessons that might be helpful in your own journeys, um, whatever way that you're making a purpose in your life and your work. Um, This week, uh, sorry, this month of March, it is B Corp month and the whole theme of B Corp month is um, we go beyond. So it's really about celebrating the ways that businesses are going beyond the kind of bare minimum of like turning a profit and that's it, to ways that we are making that positive impact for community. Um, I hope you're really enjoying the leaf blower that we've brought along with us today as well. That was really how we thought we could go beyond. (laughs) Um, So to kind of kick us off, um, Matt and Melissa have both done their B Corp certification and I've asked them to come in today to have a conversation about how 
they have gone on that journey, what they've learned on the journey and what they've kind of taken away from that. So I wanted to start, Melissa, with you as a leader in the food industry. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your journey to creating a purpose-driven business at Red Gum Barbecue? Yes, I can. Thank you so much for having me, Erin, and the Social Enterprise Hub and Emma when she runs back in for um, conceiving of and making these events happen because I think like the storytelling is so critical and we're all here doing these little bits and pieces in our own spaces. I think there's a lot of companionship and learning that happens when we come together. So really appreciate the opportunity. Um, so Red Gum Barbecue was, I was a school teacher, a high school, um, public high school teacher. My husband was a, um, a youth worker at local government and he wanted to start a barbecue business. Um, I thought that sounded like a fine idea at the time, not having any idea what I was getting into. <laughs> and. Um, I think one of those first conversations about what kind of business we were going to create and why was um, we'd recently had a baby and we were talking about wanting to create something that we would be proud of and that we could talk to them about in the future and, um, and do so without shifting from this place of um, what we felt was a really altruistic workspace into a more commercial corporate workspace. Um, and not sell our soul in the process and not just chase the dollar. So um, that was a really early conversation. We knew we were getting heavily into meat, so we talked about our priorities around sourcing ethically um, meat and food products as much as possible and really just kind of conceiving of the business in those early days from a perspective of what can we do that we'd be proud of. So I think that was the kind of early journey. Um, remind me of the question, what was my journey to B Corp? So really to kind of starting that purpose Starting the purpose So you've kind of given that, yeah. that answer. And I guess yeah. to kind of tie that up, what led you to going for that B Corp certification, yeah. that higher level of verification uh, and the, all the steps that are involved are quite significant? Yeah. Absolutely. I was just wondering, sometimes I get caught into, I'll, I'll talk forever if you let me, and I get caught <laughs> in the, the story and forget how far I'm supposed to go. So, um, so we did this for a number of years while we were sort of small and growing and um, just kept trying to really purposely bring in um, ethics around our decision making. And just, you know, it was my husband and I, for the most part in the early days, just kind of always challenging each other. Well, why are we making that choice? Why are we buying that thing? Why are we going in that direction? And without that sort of, I guess, guiding light that I think B Corp can be. Um, so it was pretty early days. We just opened up in Red Hill and we were speaking to somebody who said, ah, it's interesting that you're talking about ethics and business and doing all of this work. Have you heard of B Corp? At the time I hadn't and went away and sort of furiously investigated. And, and what spoke to me about B Corp, which I loved, was the idea that we could talk as much as we liked about you know, sourcing free range meat or grass fed or um, buying local, but B Corp spoke to this sort of holistic perspective of mm. ethics across a business. And, um, you know, if you've looked into it, there's other B Corps in the room. There's 
you know, governance and customers and community. And sort of there really are all of these pillars that allow you to connect to every facet of your business. So um, in sort of late 2017, I started really looking into it, um, doing the online assessment for anyone who's ever done that, finding myself in the sort of rabbit hole of questions that I didn't even understand. Um, And I just loved it. I immediately felt like the questions were, you know, either something I went, yes, I think we're doing that, or I have no idea what that is, but (laughs) I'd like to be doing it, or I'd like to understand more. So um, kind of went through that process and then um, connected with the B Corp B Lab in Melbourne. If you're interested in B Corp and you haven't connected with them, they're incredibly supportive Mm. and um, run workshops to actually help you get through that assessment Mm. process. So I went into the city and sort of hung out with them one afternoon. And I think that um, that allowance that they gave me, which was, you know, you don't need to have it be perfect and you don't need to know exactly at this point, you know, mm-hmm. give your best response and, um, and work through the questions as much as you can that feel right for you was mm. really amazing. It was, I, I really did feel like that process, mm. um, and for those of you who have been in it, can be a barrier in and of itself, Absolutely. right? Like, so I was in it and I was going, oh, this feels really hard mm. and confusing and I don't know. So, I mean, my advice to people that are embarking on that is to just kind of do your best, go with your gut, like answer the questions yeah. as, as best you can um, and sort of push through and certainly lean on the support of the B-Lab mm. community in Melbourne. Um, but we, we ended up sort of making it across the line. We got that great score, which was wonderful. Um, we became Australia's first restaurant, B Corp. Um, so we, it was a, a, an accolade um, that was you know, an additional sort of badge of honor that we were really excited about. And we were sure that there were hordes of people on our tail. And you know, four years on, sadly, we remain mm. the only restaurant, mm. B Corp, in Australia. Mm. Um, I think that speaks a lot to the industry and the challenges of being profitable mm. within the industry and the challenges of being ethical within our industry in particular. Um, and, and potentially, obviously, the challenges of COVID and, and how hard it's been to navigate that period of time and hold on to things like ethics <clears throat> and responsible decision making mm. when you're just trying to keep your head above water. But Absolutely. That's the short slash long story. <laughs> Brilliant. And Matt, you've had a breadth and depth of experience in your career as well, from kind of getting started as a landscape architect mm. to recently attending the COP15 UN Biodiversity Conference. So can you tell us what led you to kind of start regeneration projects and this very purpose-driven kind of mission that you have in your business? Yeah, it's so that it's a few steps in there. Yeah, I bet. So, so <laughs> I grew up uh, in in West Gippsland, uh, so a region that has a really strong land connection. So a lot of my childhood was around farms and and gardens. So that connection with nature was a big part of that. Uh, you know, early work was you know chipping in and working on farms. So there was always this awareness. And even practical things like caring for local uh, waterways and revegetating mm. wildlife corridors, and so 
um, like you hear me talk about the water just before, like that comes from an awareness that there's people upstream of where we are um, that are imp- influencing the quality of the water that we're swimming in. Like it's all, it's all connected. Um, so uh, yeah, I guess landscape architecture was a natural fit because it connected that passion for nature, but also a love of design and, and, and um, art and, and people. And you know, when you're a kid, you've got no idea. Like you've got no idea what even is out there. And still, I've got no idea. Um, but that started the ball rolling. And then, at the end of uh, 2010, I read "Let My People Go Surfing," which is a book by the founder of um, Patagonia, Von Chenard. And that was like, oh, okay, business can be this thing that like does good stuff. Mm. It's not just this profit-making machine. And so. Then uh, fast forward uh, and I found myself uh, in the UK, I was um, reading a book, it's it a bit strange, um, but I was reading a book called Harmony by uh, King Charles, King Charles now, wasn't, wasn't then, uh, and he's been a you know, massive environmental advocate for a long time. And I was sitting on the backs at Cambridge and I was like, you know those moments when you, know, you, you watch the film 2040 or one of these things that you just get that thing in the pit of your stomach and you're like, I've got to do something, you know. And I somehow managed to talk myself into their first postgrad diploma in entrepreneurship uh, over there. That was a bit impromptu. Um, but yeah, then it just kind of, it, it, it flowed on and got into tourism down in Tassie. And um, in 2019, I was working down at Peninsula Hot Springs, climate strikes were happening and uh, building on some research that I had done internationally, I could see this shift beyond sustainability into regeneration space. Mm. And I could see that there was a limitation in where when you've got that awareness and that knowledge, you can see that difference and, and sometimes you're that person inside the organisation and, and as I say that, if you, if you are that person, you know what I mean. Um, and you see that extra space, but sometimes you know that you can't, you know, you can't pursue that unless you go out on your own. So I ended up quitting my job flying across to California and met the head of environmental initiatives at Patagonia. And uh, that was through um, an introduction from a, a colleague, Sean Wilmore, who runs the Thin Green Lime Foundation down here. Oh, Sean's a legend. <laughs> Love to get him up here for a combo <laughs> suit. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Uh, and yeah, then six months later when, when COVID happened and I had no place to, to go, but just to con- consolidate, converge that energy, Regen Projects started. And then what became the ultimate startup incubator, <laughs> you know, lockdown. And then three years on, yeah, we're working with folks, um, you know, hyper-local uh, with a lot of First Nations connections here, but also internationally and, mm. and everywhere in between. And COP15 was that opportunity to say, hey, there's all of these other people around the world doing and thinking in these things and, you know, you're not alone in trying to bridge this world yeah. between business and nature. And that really speaks to the value of connecting in person as well. Like, it's so amazing that we have the technology to connect online and that allows us to span so many distances that would sometimes be prohibitive to that connection. Totally. But these, these gatherings today is, and, and COP15, big or small, mm. are so important to put yourself in a group with aligned thinkers that are at that edge of decision making or business practice where there isn't necessarily a path that's been walked before or it's been walked perhaps by a few Um, and there's a lot of unknown and uncertainty and hopefully you know these gatherings that we have help to I guess remove some of the clouds of uncertainty about how you progress forward in this space as well so that's wonderful. 
brilliant. Um, so both of you had quite the journey from perhaps a career that was not particularly aligned with where you are now directly to a space where you have a very strong sense of purpose. Um, Melissa, you talked a little bit about that decision to become a certified B Corp and that you wanted to kind of embody that more holistic approach to doing good things in your business. So you kind of looked at the things that you know, um, looked at the, the supply chain of where are the ingredients come from? Is it you know free range? Has it been raised well? That animal that's ending up as a food source for humans. And that's so important. And then you've stretched beyond that to this holistic community, people, um, you know, employees, stakeholders, environment. There's so much in that B Corp certification. Thank you for reminding me of all the pillars. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're in there. And it is overwhelming. I know when we went through this process as well, um, I think I was actually surprised and delighted to like yes. complete the assessment and realize we'd done more things than yes. I realized because a lot of the things that seemed like you, just normal things you should do as a good person were actually going above and beyond yeah. and were things that you could earn points sadly, for. Sadly, right? Yeah, sadly, yes. exactly. <laughs> so I wanted to ask how has becoming a B Corp impacted your business? Like, do your customers understand what it is? Like, has it impacted the community that you connect with in a business or in a consumer kind of setting? Like, what's kind of been the impact for you? Um, yeah, I think it has impacted us in all kinds of big and small ways. Mm -hmm. I would say that Probably the story that we tell about B Corp and our little B certification thing on the wall is for me like the smallest part of the impact. It's, you know, like certainly sharing the story of being a B Corp is important. It's, it's critical for us to be speaking about why we're doing things mm. the way that we are for all of us and for all of us to be learning from others and striving to do better. I think that's really essential. And yes, our customers like it. <clears throat> I wouldn't say all of them, probably a lot of them have no idea what it is, yeah. don't care. Um, but certainly there is a really small subset of people that totally know and totally love it. Um, and then there's the people that have heard of it and think it's kind of cool. And, and, and they're certainly a target audience for us to go, yeah. this is why we do this and this is why it's important. We have things on, our, um, on all of our tables that speak to, um, you know, why is my meat so expensive? And, um, you know, all kinds of questions around cost and, um, and sourcing and why and how. And, and yeah. for us, that is a really critical part of the story, mm. particularly when we talk about um, like pricing and costing and, and how you share that and how you educate consumers and the value of that. Um, but really the, the biggest sort of impact for me is, is around how it um, sort of shapes, defines and guides our business mm. and how we have those conversations internally it's um you know before b corp I, I i don't want to say that b corp is certainly like by no means the only way that a business can be purpose-driven or do good work there's probably you know a list longer than i have any idea about that is um, certifications or accreditations mm. or things that you can be doing that speak to your purposes but um for us b corp gave us a a roadmap, a blueprint. Um, it it allows us to have a thing that we can talk about and say we're a B Corp business. This matters to us, and this is why. And those are conversations, like I said, largely that are most impactful internally. Mm. Like 
um, you know, it comes into everything when we're planning an event and we're saying what's the packaging like and um, where are we sourcing from and how are we communicating about where we're sourcing from. So we're going to an event in a couple of weeks called Meat Stock in the city, um, a big kind of Woodstock slash things for all the meat lovers. And, um, and we've got a whole banner around um, we're B Corp, why are we sourcing? You know, really, like, it's not our target audience that care about B Corp. I mean, if I were gonna be really stereotypical, like the people that are there just want huge chunks of meat and probably want me to shut up. But we're gonna have a composting bin and we're gonna be talking about our packaging being compostable. And it's like these little baby steps to kind of get people to care or to be aware. And our meat is gonna be probably the most expensive there. And that's a really difficult choice mm -hmm. to make that we're compromising potential sales mm -hmm. and not being as competitive as a price point against the other people, but because we think that it's really important and the more that we can talk about it, the more we're lifting our game and we're lifting the game of the industry. Absolutely. And just to go on a side tangent, like when we were talking about sourcing free range grass fed products back in 2013, it was, it was almost impossible for us to get our hands on it. My husband spent like endless hours on the phone trying to get these products and coming back to me and just going, I, I can't get free range pork, I, I just can't. And I'd be like, get back on the phone. <laughs> like this is a line in the sand for us that we said we're doing yeah. and find it. And um, we did and we, we have literally never gone against that no matter what it was like, can't get free range pork or it's a million dollars pay it, find it, mm. like this is one of the things that we've said matters yeah. to us. But when we did that, like I never saw it on menus. I certainly never heard anybody in the barbecue community talking about mm. it. Like it wasn't um, a conversation. They might talk about who they were, you know, what kind of meat they were using, but they certainly weren't talking about the ethics of it or the free range or the grass fed or whatever. Now it's everywhere. And I, you know, I don't, certainly don't want to suggest that we're the reason for that, but like the more conversation about it, the more we're talking about and we're all talking about the things that we're doing and lifting that standard, the more, um, the more everyone's sort of jumping on board and yeah. seeing that as important in the industry and then to consumers. So if I could go back to the impact now, um, I think just you know looking at every every part of our business, mm -hmm. looking at the arrangements that we establish for um, for staff, the way that we pay them, the way that you know we create benefits, the um, conversations that we have internally about um, their value, their well-being, like that from a holistic perspective, um, the way that we talk about our governance, our finances, the transparency that we take to those conversations to bring people into the stories of where our money is going and why, and the fact that being profitable is not bad, it's really important, and that when we mm. see that money coming into the business, it allows us to do more for our staff and for our community mm -hmm. and really bringing them on that journey, like mm. the, the impacts to how we do business from the blueprint that B Corp provides us and that we engage in is just immeasurable. Absolutely. Mm. And you mentioned something really important here in that 
when you, and you mentioned this earlier when we were chatting, you can sometimes get in the purpose-driven community in your little bubble where like everybody's doing the right thing because it just feels really natural to you. And you're like, but of course we'd be a B Corp and of course we would compost our packaging and of course we would serve, you know, serve free range, grass-fed meat. And when others aren't doing that, it's kind of like, excuse me, like what? I remember when I used to live in Carlton North, when it was like the election but I think Dan Andrews got elected, but the, and it was real like trains, not tolls, posters were everywhere mm. in Carlton North and there were greens posters on like everybody's front yard. I know we had one in our little share house with all the 20 year olds and um, I couldn't fathom that not the greens would win the election. I was like, how, how could it be possible? Because there's literally greens posters on the front of every house. I was so in this like little inner North bubble. I just couldn't fathom how it could be possible. I'm like, the tide has turned. We are now progressive. Like we've done it, great. And then they didn't win. And I was like, what? Like, how did that happen? And I think what you've explained here, Melissa, is that's going to these events where it's not necessarily going to be your core you know, progressive, purpose-driven community that are really into like B Corp certification or sustainability or regeneration or any kind of that sort of stuff that we really value in our businesses and in our communities. Exposing more people to that is actually the biggest opportunity to drive change. Cause like we're all sitting here at like the cutting edge of doing the right thing and that's not enough people. So we need to take this good thing that we're doing out into the broader community and start that process of educating and I guess when you think about it from like a supply chain economics perspective as well if more people are doing it it actually helps to normalize these practices and make them more affordable for everybody so it kind of becomes a bit trickle down that if we all start doing this it actually makes it more accessible. Matt probably has some thoughts on this for another chat. Hey Matt, I see you nodding. <laughs> but I mean, this is why yeah. I, I, I talk to even our staff around like the importance of buying free range. And you know, we can all go to the supermarket and look at you know buying for our families and see the price difference in free range pork to mm. non-free range pork, and it's huge. Mm. Um, and but we know it's you know supply and demand. Like the more we are buying free range, the more free range farms there will be and the more that industry will thrive. So mm. it is really about kind of getting into people's ears and going, this is important and this is why Building and sharing momentum. that story. Mm. Yeah. So Matt, you've got a lot of experience in this space of really going beyond sustainability towards regeneration. Um, so I'd love for you to kind of give us a quick explainer on like the difference between this because I think a lot of the business communities really adopted sustainability and we're like great I'm being sustainable I've got a recycling bin I've got a compost bin I'm doing all these cool things I've got my B Corp certification but you're going beyond that you're really pushing beyond sustainability to regeneration so I'd love to get your kind of yeah like your overview of that difference um, as a starting point yeah yeah so uh, one of the maybe an easy way of explaining this so one of the projects that we're involved in is working towards a swimmable Birrarung or Yarra River by 2030. And probably the instant that you hear that, many of you think, what? Big job. <laughs> <laughs> Big job, yes. <laughs> but, but then if I, I tell you or ask you a question, does it make sense to you that a child who leans down to touch the water in the middle of Melbourne can't do that? Does that make sense? 
does that feel right? Does it feel right that nature shouldn't have that, you know, that space, that cleanliness, that well-being? Is it, does it also make sense that the child can't have that direct relationship rather, you know, or they have to go and live in a rural area to have clean water? It doesn't make sense, right? So intuitively, we feel like clean water connection to, to nature is something that is basically a human right and that nature has those rights. The catch is, is that people throwing less cigarette butts, less plastic, less stormwater runoff in the river isn't going to make it swimmable. And sustainability is this transition state. And we kind of sometimes early on in, <laughs> when things were, were just starting out, I had this infographic. It was like this little frog and it had like this traditional kind of profit-driven business and then sustainability and then regeneration was beyond that. And the idea of leapfrogging beyond it because who wouldn't want to be part of a business, a workforce, an economy and, and surrounded by people that are not just trying to create less harm for the community environment, actively create positive benefits. Mm. It makes sense, right? The catch is, is that in the system and the way that our minds have been shaped, we, we believe that profit creates value instead of value creating profit. And what B Corp does is it starts to make you think about the system that you can uh, start to embed this awareness across your different stakeholders. So for us, uh, I guess early on, one of the things that was probably a little bit different in our case is that uh, you've got this window before you go for B Corp certification. You've got 12 months. You have to have you know, your accounting and, and, and records mm -hmm. and, and so on. So for me, and I know this might sound a little bit strange, but I actually didn't want to look too quickly at the B Corp model because I thought that lessons from... Uh, I've spent a lot of time with First Nations elders and communities and their knowledge around regenerating country. You can see examples with the way they use fire management and so on. Fire is not a destructive force in the way that it can be used. It can be a, a quite a creative and constructive force. Mm. So then it forced me to think about how do you do that? And we created this model that we call the five capitals and it's on our website. You can explain, uh, go into it more there. Is a, a short course that we're about to kick off called the Regen Roadmap, which is an introduction uh, for that. But I'll just give you the, the overview. So basically, the foundation of, of all business in the way we approach it is natural capital. Those ecosystems and the, and the things that they provide in their various forms, whether it's the, you know, the, the, you know, the, the meat, but it's kind of coming upstream of that. That's the foundation. Then you go to well-being capital because your natural capital is your foundation for community and well-being cultural capital, which is like that diversity, interactions with First Nations, governance, these types of things. Mm -hmm. Material capital, which is then carbon, uh, carbon, sorry, energy, water, these types of things, finance as well, and intellectual capital, so knowledge. So what we try and do is how do you create positive benefits in all of those areas? So an example would be we can do an acknowledgement of country in the way that we you know, open space and interact. But if we can also support the rekindling of First Nations knowledge, support the empowerment of First Nations people, then we see that growth. It's not just acknowledgement that's kind of like this passive activity. It actually helps it along. 
if we can see, uh, you know, an area that's just out, you know, here that might have been degraded, it might have been an industrial area for a time, and we support a regeneration process of, re you know, putting back indigenous plants, then that's part of that regeneration. And we've all known, probably in, in pockets of Frankston, there's that economic regeneration going on as well. So you, I guess just a, a visual way of maybe saying this and, and wrapping up is, imagine a bushfire it comes through and afterwards there's a lot of silence, right? And it's kind of like what we had for COVID-19 lockdowns and so on. Everything stopped. And then you come out of it and you look up and you're like, oh, all the, all the big trees are, are burnt, you know? And then underneath though, you see in, in that uh, soil bank, all of the new shoots starting to pop up. And so it's actually about this creative cycle of saying, oh yeah, actually it's meant to burn. It's actually meant to grow these phases. Instead of doing less harm to the forest, if we care about it in a certain way, then, then we can support this regeneration process and that can benefit our communities. So I guess then to scale that up you know, to businesses, if you can set goals to become not just carbon neutral, but climate positive, if you can create goals where you're supporting you know, an increase of biodiversity, an improvement of mental health and well-being of your stakeholders, including your team members, then you're starting to go beyond sustainability and that's the way that we understand it and approach it in our work. Beautiful, yeah. that's so valuable. So really on its most fundamental level, sustainability is about harm reduction and regeneration is about positive outcome creation. Yeah. Wonderful. And so, there's a lot in this, you mentioned the five capitals model, which is a really fantastic way of thinking about it. And in a way it kind of aligns with the B Corp model of thinking quite holistically about the different aspects of the community, the environment, your, you know, the collective and individual well-being of your community and your team, um, as well as those like business kind of profit outcomes that as Melissa, you pointed out, like it's a profit is a necessary part of business to like it becomes circular in that you create value that creates profit and that profit is able to be funneled back into creating more value so mm -hmm. we, we generate quite a beautiful circular model with business by thinking holistically about impact and profit um, a big part of b corp certification and, and any certification whether that's in your social enterprise certification your b corp certification your climate active or your carbon neutral certifications is that transparency and that reporting um, part to really verify what you've done is actually doing the thing that it's supposed to be doing. Yep. So I wanted to ask you if you could give us a little bit of a window into some of the sort of transparency and accountability sort of metrics that purpose-driven businesses might look at for measuring their impact, whether that be environmentally or in well-being of community, all of the different uh, models that you've suggested. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I think that's one of the beautiful things about B Corp is that it's an independent account accountability. And if you, think, if you think about it, like in most businesses, there's not the imperative to, you know, you can do your, your, your financial P&L, but unless you're looking at some of these other metrics and indicators across time, it's hard mm. to see. Not just the, I guess, the way you're operating, but the impact that you're, you're having. So, I mean, for us, practically, you can jump on the website and we've got annual reports there that will show, you know, what we're doing and we mm. use the five capitals as a way of structuring that. But B Corp also creates a foundation of giving you that really broad spread across your mm. business and then every three years you're checking in on that and making sure that you're evolving and mm. growing, you know, because you want to, it's that incentive to improve. Mm. I think the, maybe, before I give a couple of examples, Maybe a good question is like, why? 
Mm. Why, why do this? Um, I think what's interesting is if you design a business to create profit, that's what you'll get. But if you design a different kind of business, like with B Corp, you actually get different results and it's a, it becomes a different thing. I was having this moment just a couple of weeks ago. I was like, this is, this is really interesting. I think we're creating something, you know, uh, it's, it's almost hard to, hard to explain. That one of our, our colleagues, um, Pedro, he was one of the co-founders of Sistema Bear, which is a Latin American B Corp movement. And he talks about this mutation of businesses. I don't know if you've anyone, are X, X-Men fans in here. It's a bit of a random reference. But um, if you think about it, uh, in order for society to transform, we need to transform the DNA of businesses. And that's what happens. So when you start measuring things like your carbon uh, emissions, when you start measuring things like you were talking about your you know, customer, you know, uh, not customer, your team engagement, mm-hmm. these types of qualitative mm-hmm. kind of things as well, you, you start seeing different, different signs across the system. And then you can cross-reference that with your financial aspects. And I think it's important there to think about who you're supporting. So we've got a lot of women uh, in, our, in our team and in our stakeholder group, a lot of women that are either working mums and they've got you know, businesses from, you know, working from home and they're juggling multiple things or people from culturally diverse backgrounds. So when we can see that, that's part also, and this is what B Corp does, it looks at like, how are you looking at your procurement policy and aligning to that? Mm-hmm. So then you can track each week and see where your money's going out, but also mm-hmm. where your money is coming in from. Um, mm-hmm. And so I guess, you know, I, I was just sharing before as well, another way of monitoring the impacts of what you're doing is seeing where your money is coming in from. Mm. Too, because that flow of capital. Yeah. yeah, because you know we, we had an instance just in the last couple of weeks where we had to signal to a, a, like a long, long, long-term um, you know client. Sorry, we're not going to be the best people for you moving forward. Yeah, and that's a really tough decision to to make. Um, but that's an immediate hit on your business on one aspect of your yeah. business in that financials, as well as having a positive impact on your values. Yep. It's tough. Those decisions totally. are some of the tough decisions that you really do have to stand by when you are in a purpose-driven business model, when you are in a B Corp model. I know we've worked with you, Melissa, and like, I think at the time that we worked together with Redgum, half of our team were like vegetarians and vegans. And they were like, it's not my preference, but I would mm. prefer that if anyone's going to be eating meat, they're eating meat that's come from a responsible sourcing arrangement where the animal has had a really good life before it became a food source for humans Mm. and we similarly were approached by a company then they were like hey we're a a pork dumpling manufacturing company they had no ethics no like supply chain oversight a lot of the meat was coming in from overseas like it was just a completely different business model and we're like well it's a no from us like and we were a little surprised they inquired. We're like, you've seen our website and our like social media content. What part of like our values were you aligning with? Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> and that sometimes happens in your your marketing or in your business model. You you get people kind of slip through the cracks, and I think sometimes that's an opportunity to have that uncomfortable conversation. And it is uncomfortable. And I think we've talked about in the past telling someone you won't work with them because of their and a misalignment of ethics or values 
is basically like telling someone they're a bad person and there's almost no way that conversation's going to go well unless the person you're talking to is extremely like evolved in their kind of <laughs> ability to take mm. constructive feedback and, and it's yeah, hard have totally. you had any of that melissa in yeah. your conversations with people that are like just not getting the ethics of it and just you mentioned price is a sore point for people at times do you ever get that like hard hitting tricky I think, combo i think yeah. it's different um certainly we don't like our business model is not that we have like you know large singular sources of, of income that mm. you know that would be a very difficult conversation to go to like you know, the 10% of my revenue and go, I can't work with you anymore. <laughs> we have a broad range of individuals and probably thankfully don't know the ethics of all of them who are purchasing from <laughs> us. We have had, um, we have had conversations with suppliers, certainly. Yeah. You know, we've had um, meat suppliers in the building whom we, we have really intense conversations with meat suppliers and, mm -hmm. and go through a range of, you know, questions and, really try and understand their business when we bring them on board. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we've had people say like, well, I'll give you the free range poster, you can put it on the wall, but like, I can sell you this. And I've gone, I think we're not the right, you know, this isn't gonna work wow. out kind of thing. That's so worrying. Um, oh, but like, unsurprising. I, no, I mean, right. I look at the prices of things that are labeled as free range sometimes, and I say, you're either gonna be dead in two months or you're lying, you know, like we, it's, greenwashing, it's happening all over the place, right? Like yeah. businesses are taking the shortcut. And it's no wonder, and I think just to go to your conversation about like profits and mm. you know, there's lots of different businesses and business types in this space as well. There's probably social enterprises in the room that it's like your sole purpose and the core um, strategic purpose of your business is to create impact and then there are businesses like mine which is like our core purpose is around barbecue and feeding people and creating experiences we have this um, social consciousness element and mm. for purpose element to our business and so the way that I think you handle those mm. conversations around purpose and integrating those values and how you deliver them mm. are, become really nuanced and yeah. complex across those different entities yeah. um, and, and just going back to that idea of sort of profitability, like it is the most important thing. And I think it's really important not to be shy about that conversation. Mm -hmm. And anybody who's had a business that has at any point struggled, and if you've had a business, you've struggled. So I'm sure that speaks to everyone. <laughs> like you would know that like without that, it doesn't matter. Like you have to be profitable to be alive and to continue. Mm -hmm. So yes, like ethics, I think we're all kind of trying to navigate mm. that friction, which is like, what are my values telling me to do? Well, I need this business. Mm. And I, I, I just wanna not kind of gloss over the complexity of that, Absolutely. the challenge of it, the difficulty of it. Like, um, yeah, it's incredibly hard. I don't yeah. know if you want me to. I think to kind of it. like hone in on that a little bit, there are going to be in this space as more businesses adopt values-led practices and ethics-led practices and regenerative-led practices, we're going to see more positive outcomes for community and for the environment. And at the same time, not every business is going to lead with that message either. Like, not all of the, like, we're probably, Matt, you and I are in a unique spot in that we're service providers. 
that provide a service that is designed to uplift and amplify the impact of purpose-driven businesses. So that's a very hard and fast line for us. Though there are clients that we work with, um, both of us, and you know, Melissa, you've just you've explained this perfectly. There are going to be instances where the primary kind of messaging and purpose for your business isn't necessarily about your impact. It's about something else, and you do make an impact by bringing people together to gather and share food and connect. That's a positive impact. It's not a positive impact in the way that people might often label impact. They mm. often think they'll go straight to environmental impact or they might go straight to community impact. And having a connection to each other is a positive impact. Mm. And then putting a layer of verification and standards around the way you operate means that you can enact your kind of mission and purpose as a, as a barbecue company that has a real center around food and bringing people together whilst having some standards that kind of hold you to account. And I think that's a really interesting point to kind of, for everyone to take away. You might be in this room going, how on earth do I embed purpose into my business without becoming essentially like an environmental charity, which I don't think I can sustain my profits while doing that. And the answer is you don't have to do that. You can, put some standards in place to make sure that the way you operate is creating more positive impact than it's creating negative impact while still remaining true to the like kind of reason that you started um, the whole thing. Yeah, and so I'm going to your point, like we, you know, our connection to our staff, like we're like, all right, so we're, you know, one of the things that are central to our work is about creating experience, about putting, you know, high quality, amazing food in front of people that mm -hmm. has all of these traditions and stories to it. But, um, you know, we wanna be um, an amazing place to work. How, you know, mm -hmm. that's one of our purposes. Like, how do we create that for people is yep. a really secondary conversation to mm -hmm. the fact that we're smoking meat. But mm -hmm. we're talking about, like, what's our employee value proposition? How do we not just remunerate people, but how do we make our space really joyful, you know, like soul nurturing, mm -hmm connection to each other, connection to our community. How do we really purposely connect to our community? How do we engage in more than just giving money to the local football club, but how do we really kind of engage with people that want and need things in our community? How do we lift their stories? How do we, you know, sort of divert resources, mm -hmm. like bring them in? And I just think like the ways to do all of those things outside of the fact that we're composting and, you know, water minimization, et cetera, like the way to do all that stuff, like are endless. Mm. And I think like just taking that little thing away, whether mm. you are going for B Corp certification or you're just thinking, well, how can I become a purpose-driven business? Well, it's easy, like just kind of like have some purposes around why you do certain things yeah. and then just do that thing. Yeah, kind of yeah. check in with yourself and like think about the why, as you pointed the out to so Matt, I wanted to kind of dive into this a little bit with you as well. So you talked, you gave a specific example before about the swimmable Birarung and mm. having a Yarra River that isn't the colour of brown. <laughs> and the colour might not change because of, of the, the, the it's, it's, it's <laughs> the nature of the river. But there's less e-bikes in there. Exactly. Maybe, yeah, you know? <laughs> there's maybe a few less. You're not running and into an e-bikes. Yeah. Um, so. That's a real kind of localized example of having a positive impact that, you know, having clearer and cleaner waterways benefits the environment, it benefits the community in so many ways. 
Um, so when we think about purpose-driven business, and a lot of the time, and we've chatted about this in the past, a lot of the time in the purpose kind of space, we think about purpose that's far away from us. So we'll, we might think, oh, I'm going to like donate to a charity that supports um, rescuing the Daintree rainforest, for example. You might think far away in Queensland, or you might think about, you know, we think like world vision, I've got to save all of the like starving children in a third world country very far away from me. And those things are very important. They shouldn't be ignored. However, I feel like a lot of the time we sort of see people forget to look immediately in front of them and like, what is the impact benefit for the local community? What about the people here? What about the environment here? And you've, you've mentioned that with the swimmable beer around. So I wanted to hear a little bit about why purpose-driven business is important for our region and what impact could it have locally as well as what's happening kind of globally um, in the world. Yeah, so I think this is for me one of the, uh, the key aspects in the conversation. It's a big part of regeneration is it's always context and place specific. So we can operate, <clears throat> in Western culture, we, we tend to, the way that we, our language is set, we tend to talk in quite a universal way. It doesn't always connect us to place. Mm -hmm. But if you just think that, uh, you know, going back, uh, you know, 5,000 years as an example, Port Phillip Bay wasn't a bay, it was an open plain and the Yarra River was moving out through there and moving across the, you know, the, the top of um, Tasmania. It kind of anchors you in place and then the Boomerang and the other, you know, language groups of the Kulin Nation were interacting with in a very specific way. So I guess, you know, just bring that right into where we are now. I'm looking at a, a, a poster over here and it's got whales and, and um, dolphins you know, as part of the branding and the, the, the lifestyle of being here. It's part of also the value proposition because a lot of tourism happens around here. So I guess the question would be like, what if one of your indicators between, became the health and well-being of the dolphin and whale population out in Port Phillip mm. Bay and, and Western Port Bay? Like, what, what would that look like? They're stakeholders. We were down at Destination Phillip Island at the Nobbies doing a presentation. I was standing and doing this presentation about the five capitals and then everyone's eyes just looked out the window and there was a whale going past. And we just used an opportunity of saying, well, there's one of your stakeholders, right? Mm -hmm. um, so I guess then everyone has a vested interest. Like, all of our businesses, whether even if you're working from home, the water that hits your ground there influences the water quality of the bays. Mm. So if you imagine an increase in our, you know, our whale and dolphin populations, it's an indicator of, hey, like, it's, it's a good place to swim. And then when we have a rain event, so you don't have to worry so much about, you know, that buffer of, of what happens. Mm. If there's any bay swimmers here, you'll know, know what yeah. I mean. <laughs> but I guess also just make it very real. Like right now in our community, our region, we've got... Um, a dynamic going on between different First Nations groups, um, the Bunurong and the Boomerang and the native title work. And, you know, it's in all of our interests to support the community and country as a whole, um, regardless of who the state or a legal system, you know, recognises the, the empowerment of First Nations people of culture and communities. That's something that we can all do. And mm. whether our business is giving, you know, back to First Nations communities in the middle of the desert, or you know, first peoples here in our own backyard. Mm. Uh, I think we've got to anchor ourselves in place and probably remind, for me personally anyway, like the fact that we couldn't go any more than five kilometres in, in lockdown was a pretty interesting thing because mm. it made you 
know where you come from. Mm. And I think that's the same for business, right? We've got to know where our meat comes from. We've got to, you know, we've got to know who we're working with and mm -hmm. we've got to know where we come from. And that also influences our identity as a, a collective. Mm. So um, I, I think just a last thing for our region, we did some work with the Young Tourism Network and the Department of Jobs, Skills, Industry and Regions. And it was really clear that the workforce, the younger people in the workforce and older people, but this was specifically focused on young people, they want to work in places with a purpose beyond profit. It's unanimous. Yeah. So if you want to have people working for you, that, yeah. that, that's it. Like, and, and so this profit thing, like, and I hear that argument and I, I, totally, I totally get it, but I think we've also got to move beyond that because we've got a generation coming up that are climate striking and they're saying, hey, we're coming. And what you're doing is not okay. Yeah. And we had that very, we had it just in the last couple of days, we had someone apply for our fellowship from Seattle. She, uh, she was saying, oh, when I was in high school, we were do, you know, doing this stuff and connecting with these on, online communities and um, creating ecosystem restoration projects in different parts of the world. And then she went on, Nora, my colleague and I are looking at each other on Zoom and like, what's going on here? And turns out she's still in high school. She's in year 11. She's 16 wow. or 17. She's reaching out to us to do a business fellowship that there's people all around the world. Climate strikers are there. Yeah. And so from terms of the workforce and terms of an economy, we have to support that new shoots, that next generation coming through. And that's bigger than all of our businesses. That's what connects us to our region. And it's what I think that the Mornington Peninsula has a huge opportunity because mm. instead of kids and young people going to Melbourne to find opportunities, what happens to get them coming back and staying yeah. and working across generations yeah. with you know, people with other experiences and supporting that bigger you know, evolution of our region? Yeah. That's certainly been a trend that we've observed and you touched on employment being a big link to your purpose, like creating an environment where young people want to work. And there's a lot of young people in the hospitality industry. It's often a common first job to kind of get started there. And some people stay and make a career of hospitality and some people jump into other streams in time. I know growing up on the Mornington Peninsula, there was literally no choice to, than to leave. Like I was here a long time ago. Mm. And that if you wanted to stay, you would work in the news agency, the bakery, the supermarket, the pharmacy, the butcher. That was kind of it, like as the, the employment opportunities. So it made sense to leave and go to Melbourne and get my degree. And I assumed that I would never come back because there would never be an opportunity down here. And I felt, you know, it's in our namesake in young folks. People often ask like, why are you guys called young folks? Are you like a charity for young people or something? And a fun one that I love getting asked is what happens when you guys get old? And like, we'll rebrand as middle-aged folks, obviously. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> but no, the purpose of that name really came from like wanting to do work that amplifies the growth and impact of purpose-driven businesses with the kind of very utopian idea that it would mean that there are more of them in the world and that creates a positive future for the next generation of young people. And we see the same thing in employment. Like when we put up a job, we will get between 50 and 100 applications for that job. And we always ask people to tell us like what motivated them to apply. And almost every single application says, I really wanted to work in a business that had values or I really wanted to work somewhere that aligned with my own personal values or I really wanted to work somewhere where I was making a difference. Some people even say, I didn't think I could work in marketing, which is very traditionally just sell as much shit as possible and make as much money as possible. I didn't think I could have a job in marketing and use my skills. Um, 
and also align with my purpose. So I was really pleased to learn about you guys and find out that's possible. It sounds like for you, it's been a similar thing, Melissa, that there's an, an impact and a real benefit to being purpose aligned in attracting really great talent to your organization as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, and yeah, I've seen the same statistics that were from, I think, either um, Australian Tourism Board or the Victorian Tourism Board, and they um, did a survey of, you know, however many thousands of young people and um, values, actually business values, was the number one indicator of why they would go work for somebody. And it wasn't remuneration, like it wasn't what we're paying them. Um, so I think that that's really powerful. We certainly do try and talk about that. We've, we just did a video um, over November. We had our kind of early B Corp month. Unfortunately, we didn't get the heads up that it was in March and we just recertified in October and we had a lot of things to celebrate. So we did it in November. <laughs> so this is my singular kind of um, connection to it this month because we did it really big and we did lots of stuff for it. So um, yeah, I think, you know, connecting to young people in particular, but, but interestingly, you know, we um, have had a couple of new hires over this last year that have been really senior positions mm -hmm. that, um, have come from the corporate space and they've moved out of the corporate space. They've recently moved to the Mornington Peninsula. They've said, um, hey, I, I realize that I'm going to take literally half of my salary, if not less than half or more than half, sorry, um, to come work for you. But I'm happy for that. It's not about the money. I've spent years earning $200,000 plus and it's you know it's not feeding my soul like mm -hmm. um, I I really I, your business sounds wonderful and I'm excited to work for you and and mm -hmm. and these are two of our new hires over the past six months and they're incredible right mm -hmm. like they come to us with this incredible knowledge base and skill and experience and are happy to work at our barbecue restaurant in, and I'm always really embarrassed going this is your desk <laughs> sorry about like the dog and the you know all the stuff that's certainly not what you're used to but um but yeah it's absolutely that mm. value and, and nurturing yeah. and um you know yeah local is also to yeah. go to your point about kind of invigorating the region or, mm. or how we connect. Like, um, it's, it's so central to what we do. You know, mm. when Martin and I were talking about starting the business, there were like the values and then it was, we love this place, we moved down in 2011. We love this place, we want it to be mm. sort of here and we want yeah. it to be of this place and how can we really, you know, intensely connect to the Morning yeah. Peninsula. Yeah. And so we immediately went, all right, we're only buying Mornington Peninsula wines. Yes, we know we can get them cheaper from Adelaide, but whatever, we're gonna, you know, as much as possible get just craft beer, local. So we sort of have been, you know, again, really quite meticulous about mm. that. Like once, you know, Jetty Road or a Mornington Brewery kind of sold to the big guys, we went, we can't work with you anymore. Um, you know, we, we want to see, we have this wonderful opportunity to see loads of money flowing into our business. Mm -hmm. And we know that the, the money we're sending out through who we're spending mm -hmm. with has that extended impact. Yeah. So, um, so we give to businesses that we know, well, I know the family that runs that mm -hmm. business and I know how they run that business. And I know they're employing people local to the community, that they're, you know, nurturing 
the families in our community and feeding and caring for them and that money kind of stays and yeah mm. obviously we n love to see impacts beyond our spaces mm. but feeling really passionately about how the things that we do, the work that we do, the people that we hire, the, you know, there's all these flow on effects to yeah. that, which is just really powerful and satisfying. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So to kind of wrap us up and then I'll throw it over to the audience for some questions. I have one more question for both of you to answer, um, which is if anyone was thinking about going ahead with their B Corp certification, what would be one piece of advice that you would give them ahead of that process? The way that I made it work practically was to use the afternoons on Mondays for an intensive period to just chip away at, at it and just make it. And it, just start by going through, getting a look at what you've got, identify the gaps and then work out the systems that you've got to create and then Monday afternoons. Just, just book it in. Don't make it on a Friday, because Fridays, you know what happens on Fridays. <laughs> <laughs> Monday afternoons, just get it in there yeah. and, and just be consistent. And, you know, it doesn't matter whether it takes you three months or, you know, 12 months, whatever it is, uh, that would be my number Great. one. Great. And Melissa, what's your one piece of advice? Um, I'd say I, I struggle with one, so let me <laughs> see what I can do. But um, I would say just go for it. Like, um, it can feel really overwhelming and it can feel really hard and don't overthink it. You know, really just kind of answer the questions to the best of your ability. You can get stuck on things. I literally got stuck on questions. I was like, I don't even know what you're asking. Like, mm. so complicated. Um, when I went, I would say, don't overthink it, go for it. And book in a session with mm. the guys in B-Lab in the city. So literally I went to them going, I'm stuck. I've kind of got to this point where I don't even know what you're asking mm. and um, and sat in the room on the computer and they kind of came over your shoulder and I said what do you mean and she said oh this 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 and I was like but how do I know that mm. she went just answer it to the best of your ability and so mm. I just kind of went okay tick when you get to that next bit which is the verification which is the brutally awful bit mm -hmm. um, that's where they'll ask you to kind of um, to explain your responses mm. and um, and if it's not right they'll just change it back you're not going to get mm. into trouble yeah that's so, a great suggestion yeah. i found the same like we i labored over it for yes. a long time and my advice would be just do it even if you're not sure of the answer because yeah. once you're in the verification it takes about eight months to get an assessor yeah anyway they've got such a backlog yeah. to kind of yeah. get you even to speak yeah. to an assessor because so many businesses are applying which is great it's a great problem to have yeah but once you're speaking with an assessor, they're going to tell you, you need to provide this document here. And if you don't have a template, they're like, just fill out this spreadsheet or fill out this thing or fill out that thing. They tell you a bit more information about what you need. Yeah. And you've got time. It's not like you're on a, like, you must do it in the next 24 hours or you're booted out of the queue. They generally work with you over like a sort of four to six week period through that verification to go back and forth on things. So you do have an opportunity to course correct, to make amendments, to change things. And, and you don't get in trouble. Like you don't get you in trouble. Say, yeah, you might lose a few points on yeah. some things, but you'll probably gain them on other things yeah. that you didn't realize you were yeah. doing well. Exactly. So yeah, just do it. Exactly. <laughs> so then when you land, it's, um, you know, even if you land below the threshold, like awesome learning. What I did when I was going was they would go, do you have a work from home environmental policy? And I was like, yes, right, right work at home environmental <laughs> policy. And I did, I like, I went in and yeah. I was like, tick, tick, okay. And then I had this kind of, when we yeah. talk about roadmap, like 
ah, I need that. And I made it's a list great. of things that I needed. It's actually um, great in small business because there's a lot of things that it prompts you to do that yeah. you probably should have, but you didn't know that you yeah. could have. Or that so, you should, or, yeah. you know, anyway, yeah, yeah. go for it. Cool. Easy. So are there any questions from the crew? Yes, Jason. No, I've got ask a question. Dollars. Did you do a lot of it yourself? Did you outsource? That what was the question? Sorry. Uh, how much did it cost? Ah, uh, dollars. Yeah. Yeah. So I've spoken to a few sort of mm. service providers, and they've sort of said fifteen to thirty grand. Yeah. And, and the cost of B Corp certification. Yeah, for, for, so them to support the process. So I suppose is could you do it yourself, and mm. or, or would you always have to go out to a, a outsourcer? I did it myself. Totally did it myself. Yeah. Did it myself yeah. as well. Yeah. <clears throat> it's definitely doable. I can imagine in a larger organization, yes. it, there would be more complexities. And I yeah. think even just certain, I was chatting with, um, so we worked with Teachers Mutual Bank. They certified around the same time as us. And for us to change our constitution, we literally contacted like Jason and Andrew at Illuminate and we're like, hey, can we change our constitution? They're like, sure, here you go. Like done, that was 700 bucks, easy. Um, but then if, for Teachers Mutual Bank, they've got a board, they've got like, to change a bank's constitution is a much bigger conversation than for a small business to be like, sure, we'll just change this legal document, no worries. So depending on like the size and the complexity of the organization, the cost will probably be quite flexible. Definitely if you're like an organization of like under 10 people and you're privately held, it's probably a lot easier to do a lot of it yourself. Cause you're, like Melissa said, you're like, oh, we wanna create this work from home environment policy done like it didn't have to go through a massive like HR vetting process yeah. you just probably spoke to someone and got done <laughs> yeah and I want to say I've, I've kind of launched into like ah easy yourself I did it myself the first time and it took months and I, I was the only person sort of driven in my business at the time to do it everybody else didn't know what I was talking about um, the second time the recertification that we just recently did called in a number of people and used a lot of their time to do things. I couldn't have done it myself. Our businesses are not in the position to take me out to do that. Mm. So I did give it to other people. I suppose, you know, we haven't quantified that, but it would be expensive. There was, it was a fair bit of time dedicated mm. to um, that recertification. It, I found I don't know if either of you have recertified or when you oh, yeah. last oh, yeah. certified. Um, the recertification process that we just took almost 12 months mm. and it was incredibly rigorous in mm. comparison to when we did it the first time. Yeah. So I think all of that has really stepped up, which is super cool mm. because it makes sure that the people that are getting it are as authentic as possible, um, but it's a lot more labor intensive and time intensive. So. Yeah. Yeah, it would be expensive, I think. From an accounting perspective, yeah. you would probably want to know that. <laughs> I, I and there's a risk, there is a cost for the certification as well that's based on your like company size, size. and revenue. Yeah. yeah, so it'll be a sliding scale depending on how big or small you are. But if you're a small business with only a few people in your team, it's not super duper high. I think yeah. our certification fee was under $1,500 yeah. for the actual. Yeah certification yeah. and I think there might have been a $500 like assessment or maybe it was all together I can't mm. remember but yeah it wasn't too yeah too I bad. think maybe it was the latter yeah and yeah. then you get that yeah yeah renewal and you did yours yourself as well yeah, right? yeah 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 I mean the way I kind of saw it was like if you're planning on doing like a, a business course or something like that just do just, just yeah. become a B Corp. <laughs> it, it truly is like a crash course in running a business <laughs> you know because it, it's kind of, it's pretty much just going through the the same thing so um just it's your PD, your professional development, 
and you get that yeah. as, as well. So there's a lot of things that are well like spent. US sort of initiated as well, where like here there is no like living wage per se that there has to be in like the US because we have such stringent employment conditions here with fair work that everybody is inevitably paid significantly better than they are in the US. For example, in like a hospitality role, you might be getting paid $9 an hour and be relying on tips, whereas here you'll be paying like $30 an hour. So it's a very different environment. So some of those things you'll automatically kind of be doing well on just by the very fact that you're running a business in Australia versus somewhere else in the world. Yeah, any other questions? Yeah, Matt? Um, I love that we're having this conversation here. And thank you for making it happen, Aaron, and thank you, Matt and Melissa, for engaging with it. Um, we're at the, the, the Social Enterprise Hub. Um, I think I would love to see more social enterprises becoming B Corps and B Corps becoming social enterprises. Totally. And I think what's great about this space and, and particularly what, you know, what Amber's been able to create here is it is a really inclusive space that we can mm. say, well, we're actually all focused on using business as a force for good. I think that's mm -hmm. something we can probably all identify with. Mm. Um, but I'm also interested in you know, from a B Corp perspective, how do you view the social enterprise sector? How do you see what's what's happening here? And what do you think we can do to to do more of this, to enhance the connections between social enterprise, B Corps? How yeah. can we get more going both ways? Have any of you considered going a step further along the journey and becoming a social enterprise? And how do we encourage social enterprises to go a step further yeah. on your journey to do becoming a B Corp? Because I think they're both higher bars. In yeah. They bars. are, yeah. Great question. Yeah, so for me, I'm personally not, I, I think they're both uh, super important and complementary. And I think like just, we were having a conversation this week and, went, and we got told that there's three B Corps on, you know, in our region. And I said, no, but there's four. <laughs> Wild Adventures Melbourne just, just That's got- That's a 25% increase. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I, I don't know what the stats are in terms of social enterprises, but I think it would be really great to have that sense of what the ecosystem is mm. and to grow that. Because I think that would be a really good common goal that we, we could say, hey, there's a really good cluster here. Mm. Um, personally for regeneration projects, um, maybe we should become a social enterprise. We do a lot of things that maybe, you know, yeah. are, are, are give back in, in frame. Mm. Um, but it's probably not the path that I would, would go down. Um, I personally, my, my personal position is that um, they're both necessary, but I think the, the B Corp model and businesses that have a purpose beyond profit, they have a very unique... Um, influence on our economic system in, in enabling shift of, of value and, 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 and adjusting mm. the, the change. Mm. And so uh, my personal position is that that mechanism is something that we need more of mm. and that the offsetting that happens through social enterprises and a lot of not-for-profits, for instance, in you know environmental space, NGOs and so on, we've got to get over some of that because for me, some of that's symptomatic of the gaps of the profit-driven system. Mm. So for instance, in uh, you know at COP15, the Biodiversity Convention, there's a lot of people coming there that have been fighting for the planet and the ecosystems and, and people working with those for a very, very long time. But we have to find ways of accounting for natural capital and these other social mm. and environmental values in the mainstream. And so for me, um, I think they're both part of the transition. They're both super important. And mm. if we can grow that ecosystem, but personally where we position ourselves is in that purpose beyond profit business model, because 
of the influence that that can have on on the economic system. That's just yeah, yeah the way that I we think would see it. For us, like we looked into it, and I feel like there was similar to like not when people kind of go down the B Corp certification path. I had a level of awareness about what was involved in that because I'd worked in a company that had done a B Corp certification, so I understood the process and also the value gained from from completing that certification. Um, I didn't have as much education about what like a social enterprise certification might look like, like social traders certification. But when I learned more about it, um, I realized that a lot of the things that we were doing and had been had been granted quite significant recognition from B Corp um, through, like we were recognized as an extra level of B Corp in that we had an impact business model because we were donating 5% of our time to working with charities and not-for-profits. We were um, donating 2% of our revenue to various like charities and organizations as well. And when you actually kind of boiled that down, it was all the certifications and things that we've done is pretty close to like 50% of profits is going into impact-based initiatives, which is where you need to be for that social enterprise certification as well. So sometimes you might like accidentally be a B Corp and a social enterprise without even realizing. And so for us, it was then kind of going, okay, this is something we want to investigate now because there are, with any of these certifications, there's parameters that you need to hold yourself to. And do you think that you can hold them for as long as you need to? Or are some of these things a little bit flexible at the moment and you're trying on different things before you kind of jump into that certification? Yeah. You had a question here. Oh, Melissa, did you want to answer this one? No, no, I think you guys yeah. both. You had a question here too? Yeah. Um, can, uh, can any of you give us kind of a bit of before and after? So since being certified as a B Corp, has it opened any kind of specific doors for your businesses? And can you talk a bit about, um, in terms of general awareness, like how top of mind is your B Corp certification with, you know, with customers, with people, with potential you know, employees, because you know, I hear B Corp, I know it lights me up because I know what it means, but I know we're in the early days of educating everyone as to what it is, so how are you find mm -hmm. that? Um, I would say not necessarily top of mind, actually. Like, um, we, we talk about it, it's in our documents, it's in our onboarding, we try and share with our staff um, who are coming on board, why we are a B Corp, what that means. Um, you know, unfortunately, I think we probably don't do that well enough, right? Like, there's people that probably, if I pulled them aside and went, we're a B Corp, do you know what that means? And we've got mm. almost 50 employees now, and they can be quite transient. Sometimes they might work with us in between school holidays and things. And, um, you know, not all of them would be able to answer that question. Mm -hmm. um, I think. I, I certainly don't walk around all day kind of thinking about it or um, you know, worrying about how that is specifically mm. playing into the work that we're doing generally. Sometimes I have purposes for doing that. But, um, but it's all the stuff that we talked about around mm. it that yes, absolutely drives every single day and all of our decision making. And I think it does come from that place that Erin, you talked about it like just how do I make this decision from the place of being a good person? And so you can kind of go, I've got my B Corp label over here and it's really important, it does these things, but um, what's the right choice here? In every moment mm. of every day in all of our decision making, you know, having 
my husband with me and having that shared value system is has been really wonderful for that because I can go to him and go, I'm, I really don't know what to do. I've got this conflict with this, you know, this supplier or this person and I, and I can't figure it out. And he'll go, you said that you didn't like working with that person because you didn't value them. Like I hear all of those things, but what do you think? And I'd go, shit, you're right. Like, okay, cool. And you know, can just go away and make that good decision that is the right decision that's aligned with our values. And that's the sort of the side story that is the, mm. the seeping of what B Corp is. Like, yeah. it's just that, it's there everywhere, but yeah. not at you, all. Matt? Yeah, look, I think one of the main ones is just connecting to the community. Mm. So once you become a, a B Corp, um, you know, last night I was in Melbourne and they were having a, you know, a B Corp um, month gathering and mm. you just had a room full of, you know, probably 60 plus people and that they were either all B Corps or they were on the path mm. of, you know, becoming B Corps or they wanted to be B Corps, you know, they were just... Mm. And so I think there's real power in that because, like, to be honest, like, when you do decide to do something different, you often stand alone and you can stand alone at your own, you know, kitchen table or dining table you know when you're sitting down with family at night you can be standing alone when you're in your, your friend social group but mm. when you've got that village of support and people that have got those similar values locally but also internationally as well like mm. last year there was an event called uh, be for good leaders in rome and uh, happened it was an uh, it was an opportunity to be there and just to see what's going on there mm. and you know um heading over to argentina and patagonia uh, in a couple of weeks to connect with the Latin American B Corp community. So I guess it's that mm. sense that what we're doing here in, in Frankston is part of what we're doing here in Greater Melbourne is what we're doing here is part of this global system. Mm. And you're doing it together. And there's something that happens to be the letter B that's a common thread that runs yeah. through it all. And that's pretty cool. I would say for us, it's very like, it's the reason that clients tend to work with us um, obviously we need to know how to do marketing, otherwise we wouldn't have a service to offer. But it attracts, because we put a kind of parameter in place saying for, for our flow of capital reasons in our B Corp, we will only work with brands that are aligned in values and making a positive impact for people and planet, then that is the driver for like us to work with them and them to work with us. So it's very directly kind of integrated and it feels like it's very connected to like what our team are kind of working on and doing all the time um, and to kind of take that back to the very beginning that's the, all the more reason to make sure that we do get out of the bubble from time to time because it's easy to feel like everything's peachy in our little kind of purpose-driven bubble and it's important to expand beyond that and share those that knowledge and education and I think that just if I could carry on that for one second I think that that really sort of speaks to the discussion earlier which is like you'll see very different models of how integrated the B Corp identity is to what extent we are social enterprises versus B Corps yeah. versus you know to what extent profit plays a role mm. in our business or we can give things away with more ease and mm. you know like all of these are, I think, really interesting models for how we're incorporating purpose and values into our businesses. And I think it's really valuable to know that there isn't a, it has to look like this and True. be like this. And that, you know, you can take it back to whatever context yours is and list your priorities mm. and, and see where it fits and how it makes 
real sense for you. I mean, certainly, like, what I always want to communicate on something like this is, like, you know, you, you certainly shouldn't feel like there's this standard that is here that you have to achieve, and without being able to do that, well, it's too hard and impossible. Like, mm. there are just a million different ways that this stuff can show up for yeah. you in your business, and, um, yeah, it's all achievable. What a beautiful note to finish on. So thank you very much to Matt and Melissa for coming and so generously sharing your knowledge and expertise today and your journey. Um, and thank you everyone for coming and being part of this um, purpose-driven community that we're building. Mm -hmm. uh, we will be back in May. We're taking a break in April because there's too many public holidays and school holidays and everything going on in that month. So we'll be back in May for another round. Thank you all for coming. <laughs> Really great. It was a really oh. juicy chat. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Lots to cover.